Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Monday the 4th of March and as usual with all the information contained in this podcast it is general advice only. So please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this podcast. Well it's just after 11.30 on Monday the 4th and the index is hitting all-time highs, record highs the Nikkei has gone through 40,000 as well. Uh, we are currently 7,765.7, up 0.26 of a percent. So looking pretty good this Monday morning. Uh, once again, we have seen a little bit of uh, M&A activity this morning uh, in the shape of uh, GenX. GNX is the stock code there, which we've seen a Japanese bid for that one at around 27 cents. As usual, of course, it is non-binding indicative offer. This is from J Power, not J Powell. Uh, J Power, uh, twenty-seven and a half cents in cash. Uh, the indicative proposal contains an alternate structure under which J Power will potentially also concurrently make an off-market takeover for all of GenX at twenty-seven cents. So it's a slightly tiered offer uh, for them, non-binding, of course. And we'll wait and see what the um, Gen X board has to say about that one. In other news out this morning, we've seen Satire. Uh, they're currently down around 4.8%. The founder there, Dean Mintz, uh, did uh, announce, well, we saw it on Friday night, breaking news that he was selling his 7.2% interest in the company at $4.63, 27.5 million shares there. Uh, he still has a large um, shareholding in the company. He retains a 30% shareholding in the company and the largest shareholder. So uh, he has said that in response to strong investor demand, undertaking the share sale provides enhanced liquidity and free float. Of course, it doesn't hurt that he's pocketing a huge sum of money as well in the process. But certainly the market has taken a little bit negatively. I guess 27.5 million shares does take a little bit of buying demand out of the equation this morning. Other stocks in the news this morning, we have seen uh, gold stocks doing very well on the back of that uh, big rise in the gold price on Friday night. Also seeing uranium stocks doing well today for no apparent reason. The uranium price isn't actually doing too much, but there does seem to be once again a shift in the force uh, back towards gold, which is interesting. The likes of uh, Gold Road up 6.6%, Perseus up 7.2%. But we have seen a little bit of uh, backing and filling in the lithium space, which was hot to trot last week. And some of that money finding its way back into the uranium sector, the likes of Deep Yellow, up 7.5%. And we've also got LOT, uh, which is Lotus. Uh, They are uh, doing well. They recently raised money. Uh, They're up 6.5% there as well. And the one that we have in our ideas portfolio up 4.2% today, and that's Boss Energy. So not a bad performance from those uranium stocks, but we have seen a little bit of profit taking in places in some of those lithium stocks. Uh, although Latin Resources up another 4.5%. Pilbara with that massive short position still uh, up nearly 3%. So things going relatively well there. The big driver in the market today as has been the case across the board, I guess for some time, has been the banking sector, with CBA up 0.8% of a percent 
uh, ANZ, Westpac and NABs all are up around 0.4 to 0.5%. And we are seeing, again, some of those defensive stocks being sold off and an embrace of risk. CSL down 0.9, for instance. Sonic down 0.9. Woolies and Coles both easier and Westfarmers easier as well. So a little bit more risk on than risk um, than defensive stocks at the moment. That is the way of things. But uh, it is looking pretty healthy in the gold sector. Northern Star up 6%. And Newmont, which has been lagging and probably deserves a little more love. Uh, they're not really performing at the moment. Of course, uh, recently they put a bunch of their gold mines on sale. Uh, but they're only up 1.5%. So maybe some further love is required for Newmont. And it could well be a bit of a laggard. Of course, it's taking a little while for it to bed down that uh, Newcrest merger. So maybe that's holding it back at the moment. But I know certainly some fund managers looking at Newmont uh, as a buy. In other corporate news out, uh, certainly uh, it is um, pertinent to us in the small cap portfolio. Lithium Power International was uh, under takeover from Cadelco. 57 cents is the takeover bid. It did get uh, FIRB approval this morning. So I think the 15th of March, this one will cease to be. The stock's up uh, around 0.9% today, 56.5%, So in a couple of weeks' time, you will be getting your 57 cents. That's worked out quite nicely as a Harry Kane defensive lithium play, which has uh, gone through up around uh, 9 or 10% in that one. Also in my stuff this morning in Henry's Take, just a little look at uh, the US as usual. Of course, the US market's charging ahead. Uh, that NVIDIA and AI rally just continues. The three uh, ETFs that we have in the ETF strategy portfolio all uh, hitting records. So that's pretty good news. And also today, just uh, one member sent me a link to uh, the guys at uh, Money of Mine, which is a really good uh, YouTube show. And there is a, uh, a really good podcast or video there uh, called The Uranium Endgame with Ben Finergold on the uranium sector. Now, it is quite technical and it is quite long. I've done 25 minutes out of one hour and 17. So, uh, but a lot of talk there about Kazatoprom and sulfuric acid and production levels. Key date looks as if it's coming up as March the 15th when we get some more detail out of Kazatoprom. And uh, we see some more sort of aspirational production targets and also how they're going to solve, I guess, the sulfuric acid problem because that is a key component of in-situ leaching, uh, which is the means by way they mine their uranium. So a lot of that sulfuric acid comes from Russia, which currently at the moment is under sanctions. But if you do have a spare hour or so and you're interested in the uranium sector, uh, then that certainly does seem to be the go-to expert on the sector at the moment, Ben Finergold, and that money of mine, uh, which, as I say, is a very, very good resource. And the three guys there make it very accessible in terms of the um, the, the YouTube clips they do, very, um, very down-to-earth, shall we say. In other news today, there was an interesting article this morning in the Financial Review on Hearts and Mind, HM1, which we do own in the small cap portfolio, which has been going Okay, it is still trading at a very big discount to its NTA, very big discount. Now, Hearts and Mind is a strange LIC. It is uh, basically they give money to charity as well, and the fund managers do donate their time for free. 
but it is trading at a 15 to 17 percent discount. The other strange thing, I guess, about Hearts and Minds is that it resets every year, and the and the recommendations are from the fund managers and the presenters at the Sone Hearts and Mind conference, which usually takes place in November. So there's not a lot of continuity in terms of performance. Uh, we have added this as a discount play, trying to get some access to the smartest brains in the business. But what is interesting is there is an activist fund called Saba Capital, which has taken quite a big position in this one and has been um, jockeying, I guess, behind the scenes for even a wind-up. Now, this is a $700-odd million uh, LIC, and, of course, uh, it does give money to charity, part of their uh, remit, a bit like Future Generation Fund, which goes absolutely nowhere, FGX, one that we were asked to consider on the investment committee last week, which we taped on Friday, which really wasn't ever in the running. It's just flatlined since it basically inception, and it's just a yield play. But... Uh, Interesting with these Saba Capital guys, uh, they have been targeting a number of funds in Australia as well, not just Hearts and Minds, but they are looking at a number of funds here, and they are looking at these LICs, which are trading at big discounts. These close-end funds are trading at big discounts, and they have got um, stakes in uh, MFF Capital. Uh, they've also got stakes in uh, Platinum Capital, uh, Jeff Wilson's Wham Global, and two other LICs, WCM Growth and NB Global Corporate Income Trust. So these guys clearly have uh, looked at the sector in Australia, the LICs, trading at big discounts and looking at ways whereby they can close up these discounts, whether with the help of the company or with the company not being helpful and trying to wind up uh, the company in question. So uh, interesting development and certainly uh, one we will keep an eye on. As far as the US goes, uh, all looking pretty good over there. Uh, nearly all of the S&P 500 companies have reported. Uh, and fourth quarter earnings look pretty stellar. Uh, growth was around 8%. Expectations were very, very on the muted side. 1.2% rise uh, before the season started. 76% of firms surprised to the upside, which outperformed the 10-year average of 74%. So things looking pretty good there. In my usual US check-ins on a Monday, we've looked at uh, the Fear and Greed Index for the CNBC put together that index. It's at 77 out of 100 in extreme greed. And the crypto index is back in extreme greed as well at a reading of 83. So clearly uh, there is some, some animal spirits at play in the US at the moment. No less so, I guess, in the Australian market as well with those animal spirits as well. It is a big week, of course, for central banks. We do have uh, Jerome Powell giving testimony up on the Hill this week in front of the Senate. We've also got the UK budget. We've got the Beige Book. We've got the National People's Congress in China. We've got the ECB. We've got the Bank of Canada. We've also locally got GDP numbers. So just when you thought you could catch your breath after reporting season, it appears that there is still plenty of data out there uh, for us to crunch and look at. So that is going to be interesting as well. In other news, just a few quick takes that I put in the newsletter this morning if you haven't had time to read it. Talking about mortgage arrears, uh, hitting their highest rate nearly two years in January. And that is, uh, I guess, somewhat concerning. Arrears rates jumped from 1.4 to 1.63%. Having said that, that was from Bloomberg. Having said that, uh, you know, the banking numbers that we saw, the updates and the results from CBA certainly didn't point to anything particularly harsh 
and drastic out there in terms of uh, their bad debts and uh, 90-day past loans. So although they have tickled higher, we certainly haven't seen that mortgage cliff uh, that some had uh, speculated on. Also, there was an interesting article this morning from uh, the AFR talking about Macquarie. Uh, I think it was the AFR, maybe Bloomberg, uh, but they have a an investment in an Indian company called Baiju, and uh, they alone hadn't written down the valuation of that investment. Most of their peers who invested in this company have written down the valuation to almost nothing. Macquarie uh, were very tardy in writing down that valuation, and of course they do gather fees based on the valuation of the underlying assets. It looks as if they have now revalued that down, but certainly they were making fees on the back of that higher valuation that nobody else was sticking to. And I guess it just highlights, to some extent, the problems uh, for investors in terms of transparency, in terms of valuations of unlisted assets. The stock market's very good every day at valuing assets. But unfortunately, as far as unlisted assets go, and this hurts others in the sector, the likes of Baylador, the likes of Frontier Digital Ventures on a much, much smaller scale, then uh, it does certainly make it harder to value the assets. Hasn't really affected the Macquarie share price this morning. Uh, they're up 0.2 of a percent, 195 bucks, just about. So that's a pretty good performance there, continuing. But it just does highlight it. Also today in Henry's take, just a little look at some of the index changes that are happening. These are going to be effective on March the 18th. In terms of the ASX 100, I don't think anyone really cares too much about the ASX 20. There's not too many 20s left, uh, to be honest, with the rate of uh, takeovers that we're seeing in Australia. But in the 20, QBE is being added to the expense of Newmont. In the ASX 100, we're seeing Flight Centre and Prometicus added. We're also seeing the removal there of AWC and Region Group. In the 200, we've got uh, Ordinate being added, Red 5 as well, Sightminder and Stanmore Coal. And the, uh, the, the... the problem childs or the problem children, the ones that are being deleted from the ASX 200, are ones that are actually on a bit of a charge at the moment due to a bit of a short squeeze that we are seeing. We've got Chalice being removed, Core Lithium, Sayona, and Webit Nano as well. We have got Kobe Hanok heading to Australia in the next couple of weeks to give some retail presentations there. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now, traditionally, of course, fund managers do tend to use. Uh, the index changes as a reason. Obviously, they need to get set to some extent, and we do tend to see maybe a run towards the um, the index changes as fund managers start to accrue a position in those stocks. But afterwards, we can see them tail off as uh, all the buying has been done. So just something to bear in mind. Certainly hasn't hurt Webit Nano this morning, which is up another 5%. So that's going uh, pretty well for them Uh, They have noted the quarterly rebalancing, which we're seeing from S&P in terms of the ASX indices. So finally, of course, as it's me today, uh, more focus on my stuff and not much uh, in terms of changes in Marcus's strategy. As I said, those ETFs that we hold uh, in the strategy portfolio, all doing pretty well. Uh, The uh, HNDQ hit an all-time high, the IVV. Uh, S&P 500 core index also reached a 52-week high, and FANG uh, reached a record high as well. So all good news there if you've been following the strategy portfolio. As far as uh, the ideas, that Bank of uh, the BOE, I was going to say Bank of England, but Boss Energy, 
Well, it had a rough day on Friday, but it's bounced back 4.4% today. So that one looks all right. Uranium stocks generally doing well. In fact, commodity stocks generally are doing well, with the exception, I guess, of the iron ore stocks, which under a little bit of pressure. But gold, uranium, and uh, we are also seeing lithium stocks doing quite well uh, today. So that's not a bad effort from them. Now, on Friday afternoon as well, I did uh, the latest, we did the latest show of the investment committee on Osbiz. Nathan Ben Clark and myself uh, sat down with Nadine and we talked through uh, the potential additions to the Osbiz investment committee fantasy portfolio, which hasn't done badly, I have to say. In the two years since we've been doing it, we're up around 27%, which is not bad considering it is a kind of a committee effort between the three of us and Nathan tends to be bearish the whole time and here we are at an all-time high. There were a couple of stocks that we actually added and uh, the program will be out uh, tomorrow afternoon but just to give you a bit of a heads up we did add a gold stock uh, which is uh, actually up 5% today so by the time it gets added officially it probably will be uh, up too high but we did add a gold stock to the uh, investment uh, portfolio and we also added uh, another one I won't say what the name of the stock is but it's a pizza stock and it's one that both Andrew Wynan and myself had as a double buy on the call that is the rules of the game is that we get to consider all the double buys that occur on Ausbiz the call uh, during the month and uh, we're allowed 20 stocks and it is supposed to be a high conviction growth portfolio and as I say it is up around 27% on uh, the last two years so not a bad performance overall but uh, an interesting episode I urge you to have a little look at that it's the investment committee program on Ausbiz comes out on Tuesday afternoon and uh, always a bit of fun and I have to say it was a bit of a feisty session as well it always can get a little bit feisty with uh, Nathan myself and Ben Uh, we don't always agree on everything to say the least well that's it for me of course tomorrow you'll be back with Marcus guiding you through the market Uh, probably more of an ETF and uh, macro bent but uh, in the meantime Have a great day, and I'll be back again this afternoon with the end of day report.